Welcome to Funny, They Don't Look Jewish, where Judaism appears in the panels. Our purpose is to find characters, stories, and issues of comics that explore explicitly Jewish content. I'm Henry Bernstein. And I'm Brandon Bernstein. No, no relation. relation. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Henry. How hey, you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be back. Yeah, this is great. This is exciting. This is our third episode already. Which is crazy. I mean, especially because like when we recorded the first one, it turned into two. So it doesn't feel like three episodes, but like pretty impressive. Yeah, this is our second character, which we'll talk about momentarily, but really our third episode and the feedback we've gotten for The Thing, who, for many people, this was a revelation that he was Jewish, and not only that, explicitly Jewish, as we discovered. Shocking. Shocking to the common person. So we covered Hanukkah, we covered Oh Jewish Wedding, we covered his Bar Mitzvah, there were all sorts of Jewish things, but it's not just The Thing that's Jewish, is it? Wait, Henry, are you telling me that there are other superheroes who also identify as Jewish. That's what I'm telling you. We're not ending the podcast after two episodes. Oh, man. So my social life. I thought it was going to be freer, but we got to keep calendaring this thing in. we got to keep going. So um, I think we're going to shift gears over to my, let's call it expertise, which is DC Comics. Yeah. And we're going to talk about another superhero. We're not only going to switch gears. I think we're going to be as opposite as we can be for the most part, because we're going from DC to Marvel. We're going from a man to a woman. We're going from straight to queer. We are going from The Thing to DC's newest Batwoman, Kate Kane. And Henry, for me, I mean, that raises a really important question. Who is Batwoman? Who is Batwoman? Which was the very question asked in comic books in the early to mid-2000s when Kate Kane, Batwoman, was first introduced. We're not talking about Batgirl. That is a character that so many people know. Totally separate. We're not talking about Barbara Gordon, the daughter of Jim Gordon, the commissioner of police. We're not talking about the spoiler, Stephanie Brown, who took over as Batgirl for a brief period in the 90s, I believe. We're not talking about Nightwing. We're not talking about Robin. We're not talking about Orphan. We're not talking about any of of Batman's other allies. We're talking about Batwoman, whose name is Kate Kane. So her history is a little funny, though, because it actually does predate Barbara Gordon Batgirl. She goes all the way back to 1956. This is during what was called the Silver Age of comic books. This is post-war when really comic books were, were, were back on the rise, superhero comic books. Right, they went into a little bit of a sort of a, a bump, a sort of a, a lull after World War II and that golden age, and now they're rising up again in the 60s. So here's what happened. In 1954, Dr. Friedrich Wertham published a book called Seduction of the Innocent. I hate that guy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough. He, he really attacked comic books. And to think that 1950s comic books were at one time thought to be this vile thing ruining the youth of America is absurd because anyone who has read a comic book between 1950 and 1972 will see that it's, it's silliness. It's, right. it's, but it was the momo of its day, right? It was this panic that everyone was like, this is the thing that's a danger to our kids. This is what's going to cause them to go and hurt other people and themselves and be violent. Yeah, and you know there were some things that happened. So for example, in the 1950s Adventures of Superman show with George Reeves, there was a kid that 
you know, thought he was Superman and jumped off a roof and it was like a horrible tragedy. And so then they had to give a disclaimer. There were some things here and there that happened that you could sort of point in the comic book realm. But uh, Dr. Frederick Wortham, he, he warned that comic books, and this is directly from Wikipedia, were a negative form of popular literature and a serious cause of juvenile delinquency. The book was taken very seriously at the time. It was even a little bit of a bestseller. It was like a congressional appearance, right? Like it uh-huh. went to Congress, yeah? Okay. It went to Congress, and what ended up happening was the Comics Code Authority was established, which was this sort of seal of approval that this comic is kosher. It was sort of like a hasher, right. basically. Totally like a hasher, right? The, that, you know, like this larger authority who probably doesn't know much about comics anyways, stamped and said, this is okay for you to show to your kids. He was reacting specifically to Batman and Robin. Robin had become immensely popular. He had Robin, Batman's sidekick, um, had debuted so popular, and in a way that at first Batman was very dark, just like he is now. And they introduced Robin to get more kids to read comics. Literally added color to the Batman mythos. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And kids, I mean, Batman's flying off the shelves once Robin debuted. He debuted pretty early, and of course. Um, Friedrich Wortham, he conjectured that perhaps Batman and Robin were gay partners and were living together and that not only was Robin, Dick Grayson, Bruce Wayne's ward, but some sort of this sort of deviant sexual relationship that, that really he kind of made up out of nowhere. And you can read just with anything, with Torah, with Talmud, with prayer, with anything you see on TV... You can read whatever you want into it. Sure, you could look into a book and see that the various things that Batman and Robin say to each other could be misconstrued that way, but it obviously it wasn't. Yeah, and I just want to clarify, right? That like the biggest issue is that in the 1950s, um, Dr. Wertheim viewed this as being a negative and awful thing, right? Like the fact that he viewed them as gay, he viewed as a negative right. influence on children. So um, obviously with both like historical perspective and also just humanity we look back and are like that is terrible and awful um but at the time he's basically afraid and so dc right is like very worried that there's these accusations being leveled against their characters yeah now we're, we're in pre-marvel age of superheroes marvel was really the one who kind of got us back into superhero comics dc freaks out comic book superhero comic books take a dive War comics, cowboy comics, and romance comics start going up in terms of sales, right. and the the superheroes start disappearing a little bit. In 1956, DC introduces Kathy Kane specifically as a love interest for Batman slash Bruce Wayne. Oh my God, she's Bruce's beard. <laughs> she's totally his beard. <laughs> Something like that. She had a utility purse with weapons disguised as feminine products and accoutrements, like lipstick. <laughs> she was sort of like a early James Bond, like, you know, a watch that yeah. could shoot lasers. She had a lipstick that, let's say, was a batarang or oh something. Gosh, but, amazing. of course, she had a purse, you know. Um, she wore, she drove a motorcycle. She, um, her costume was red and black and yellow. So some hints of Barbara Gordon early on, Batgirl, um, who also as popularized by the 66 TV show, rode a motorcycle. She had charm bracelets and hairnets, and she regularly appeared in Batman and Detective Comics all the way into the early 1960s. And she had, in fact, become very popular with readers. 
um, fans liked her. Editor Julius Schwartz, who was sort of the editor of all things DC Comics, deemed her to be inappropriate for the new direction Batman was going to take. And because in the 60s, there was a revamp of Batman and the direction. And they kind of shelved her a little bit. And when they um, they relaunched the, the Batman family book in the 70s, they, there was a big request to, to, to bring her back. She appeared in like a story here or there. But basically, they just kind of shelved her and she went away for a little bit as Barbara Gordon got popularity. Now, part of that is because Barbara was a younger character. And again, just much like Robin, younger characters were very popular. And they felt like, you know, Batman didn't really need a love interest that sort of, you know, they've done it from time to time, you know, depending on the writing, it either takes away from him and or adds to it. But in this case, they they didn't go in that direction. Just like in sitcoms, there seems to be this impression among the writers that putting your main characters in happy relationships makes them less interesting, right? Which is utterly ridiculous, but fine. They decide that they don't want Batman to have a love interest. Right. And, you know, sorry, Bruce. You know, you're you're uh, doomed to be for, forever alone, as we mentioned in our last episode about his ill-fated wedding from right. last oh, year. Just <laughs> constantly getting his heart broken. That poor tortured Bruce. man. Yes, poor Bruce. So... That's what happened, you know, through the 60s and uh, here and there in the 70s. We're not talking about Kathy Kane. Um, We're talking about Kate Kane, who made her debut in 2006. So, Brandon, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So, in 2006, DC is basically making this big initiative, this big push to be able to have more diverse characters. They have all these plans to be able to create characters that aren't just straight white men. There's this sort of push for diversity. Um, and according to Greg Rucka, who ultimately ends up being the creator of Batwoman, in an article uh, put out by Entertainment Weekly, Greg Rucka claims that uh, Batwoman was originally going to debut in her own self-titled comic, and that self-titled comic was actually going to be written by Devin Grayson. And part of the reason that that's so cool is that Devin Grayson um, is actually an out bisexual writer who had a lot of familiarity with the Bat titles. Well, we're already, we've already talked about it, but let's just say what's really cool is that Kate Kane, this new character who was created, was explicitly created to be a lesbian character, right? Um, she was created very intentionally as a lesbian, which I think is like a fun toying with the history and sort of like, oh, you're going to create her because you're afraid Batman might be gay? Here is an explicitly queer character that we're going to introduce to the comics named Kate Kane, modeled after this old 1950s Batwoman and brought in to be this amazing new character. So Devin Grayson's supposed to write it. And according to this EW article, Greg Rucka um, says that the New York Times actually broke a story that ruined... um, the surprise of this character. The weird thing is that I looked at the New York Times article and it referenced Batwoman debuting under Greg Rucka's hand. So I don't know, the timeline seems to be off. That's not important. What's important is Greg Rucka ends up being the guy who gets to create this Batwoman and they're going to introduce her in a series called 52, which we'll talk about in a moment. But here's what I really wanna make sure we know. Uh, As we've discussed, she is from the get-go, supposed to be a lesbian. But Greg Rucka also lets us know that his desire from the beginning was that she be Jewish. So I want to read very briefly from an August 1st, 2014 interview with Matt Santori of Comicocity.com. Greg Rucka says the following, quote, I simply wanted another character who was identifiably Jewish. 
for a bunch of characters that were arguably all created by a bunch of Jewish men. Very few of them are actually Jewish and identify as such. And I have encountered more than one instance in my career where professionals have cited the core strength of a character in being their deep commitment to Christ. It always struck me as a little silly, because if you were deeply committed to Christ, you wouldn't be going out and breaking someone's jaw on a nightly basis. That ain't what Jesus taught. We knew she was queer. There was no question about that. The mandate was to reinvent Batwoman, and she's going to be gay. That came from on high. I guess I just thought, well, why not do it? It being make her a Jewish character. So really awesome. From the beginning, he's just so excited to be able to make her Jewish. Now let me ask you this, because we yep. weren't really able to answer this question about Carl Kiesel in the last episode. Does Greg Rucka identify as Jewish? Greg Rucka does identify as Jewish. But very funny thing, he co-created the character, or really co-developed the character later with the artist J.H. Williams III, and we're going to get into that. But here's what's really fun, is it turns out you would think, based on all of this, um, that a lot of the Judaism comes from Greg Rucka himself. It turns out that J.H. Williams III had been working with Alan Moore on a comic book called Promethea, and Promethea was just filled with all of these ideas about Kabbalah, or Jewish mysticism, and we're going to talk about that a little more later. Um, but just like as a preview, what's really cool is apparently J.H. Williams, who I believe is not Jewish, was working with Alan Moore, working with all these Kabbalistic ideas, and then he comes into this developing Kate Kane with Greg Rucka, and it's like, I want to bring all this stuff in. So it's actually this guy who's not Jewish who's bringing some of the Judaism in. So it really was this beautiful synthesis from the two of them, as far as I understand it. That's great. Um, it does make me laugh a little bit because, you know, in sort of modern pop Judaism, you know, you could be into Kabbalah and not necessarily be Jewish. Totally, right? right? Kabbalah centers across the country yeah. where, like, the whole Madonna Kabbalah thing, right, from the beginning. So, like, very much it's a popular thing that has gone on beyond Judaism. So, as I said, they create this character. Devin Grayson was supposed to create this character in a self-titled Batwoman series. That obviously gets changed for other reasons. Devin Grayson gets removed from the project. I think it just didn't work out with her schedule. Greg Rucka's assigned, and rather than debut her in her own series, Greg Rucka introduces her in this weekly series called 52. So, Henry, what the heck is this 52 thing all about? There was a weekly comic book series called 52 that started at issue zero and counted up to 52. And at the end, the culmination was what was called the final crisis. And I'm sure at the time they fully intended it to actually be the final crisis. <laughs> Every single week for one whole year. How often do most series come out? Right, so most comic books come out on a monthly basis. Every now and then we get to this period of time where a comic will come out twice a month, right? Uncanny X-Men did that for a while in the 80s. Currently, it's very popular for a lot of the more popular series to come out twice a month. But still, that's a relatively new thing, and twice a month is coming out a lot and very frequently. The reality is that most comics come out once a month. This is coming out four times a month, sometimes five times a month, literally every week, every single Wednesday. So this is a major undertaking, and it's in this series, in this 52-issue series, that we finally get to meet... Kate Kane, Batwoman, debuting in issue number seven as Kate Kane, I believe. And it takes a few issues before we find out she's Batwoman. Um, what I'd like to do next, Henry, is just talk a little bit about 
what her character origin is. Who is Batwoman within continuity? What is the story? How did she become Batwoman? That kind of thing. So I'm going to give this pretty quick if I can. Alright, so what we eventually learn about Kate Kane is that she's actually a, a twin. So she is a military brat in her family, and she moves to Brussels with her old family. Her father, Jacob, her mother, Gabby, and her twin sister, Elizabeth, who goes by the name Beth. On her 12th birthday, while her father's off on some mission, Kate, Beth, and Gabby are taken prisoners by some sort of terrorist cell. Kate's eventually rescued by her father, but both her mother and her twin sister are killed by the terrorists. So it's this like devastating origin. Kate eventually grows up and joins the military academy, but she is found to be in violation of the Uniform Code of Military Justice, Article 125, which I have right here. It reads, quote, any person subjected to this chapter who engages in unnatural carnal copulation with another person of the same or opposite sex or with an animal is guilty of sodomy. So basically, Kate Kane has too much integrity to deny the fact that she is indeed a lesbian, and so she is uh, kicked out of the military academy, and uh, her father is very proud of her for just being open and honest about who she is. One day, she's wandering around Gotham. She's mugged. She does manage to fend off the attackers, but then Batman appears in an alleyway and helps her up, and this is just an inspirational moment, and Greg Rucka actually went on record as saying that he really intended for that to be it as far as her connection to Batman, that she was just an independent woman who had this very brief, very non-intimate interaction with Batman, and he was such a symbol that he inspired her to become a superhero. Um, so that's basically how she becomes Batwoman, and of course later in the comics we find out her connection to Batman's a little closer, and I think you're going to take us through that, right, Henry? Yeah, so I love Jewish genealogy, my dad is a Jewish genealogist, sort of a self-supporting hobby. He's been doing it for years. He's written a few books and he's been to Poland and Russia several times to tour cemeteries. And um, he's, he's an expert on Jewish genealogy, and I, I find myself interested in it as well. So, Kate Kane and Bruce Wayne are, are cousins. Whoa. <laughs> They're first cousins. Batman's mother is Martha. She and Kate's father... Jacob Kane, our brother and sister. Yes. Martha's maiden name is Kane. Yes. Her name is Martha Kane Wayne. The Kanes are one of the four main families that have been around the longest and the richest in, in Gotham. Right. So the Waynes, the Kanes, the Elliots, and the Cobblepots. The Cobblepots, which is the Penguin. Um, and the Kane's actually the oldest family in Gotham, I, I believe, the most wealthy and right. the most connected and the most deeply rooted in everything Gotham from the underworld to politics. And Great. sometimes those things... Right, including the military, because that's military. what Jacob Kane goes into. So Jacob Kane is not canonically Jewish. Right. His wife was, which would make Kate Kane Jewish right. in all the senses that we would... We would think of her as Jewish, but even from an Orthodox perspective, her mother is Jewish. So from a traditionally halachic perspective, she is Jewish. Kate Kane, as we're going to find out, clearly grew up with a Jewish identity, yeah. celebrating Judaism, practicing Judaism, educated about Judaism. Yeah. And it's also cool that Batman's first cousin is Jewish. Like, it's amazing! Hypothetically, 
Bruce went over for Hanukkah or something, or right. you know, whatever. It was at maybe Bruce was at her bat mitzvah. Who knows? Who knows? Right. And <laughs> maybe like, you know Thomas Wayne. Maybe if it was a Reformed temple, maybe Thomas Wayne took an Aliyah or something. You oh know? my gosh! Imagine <laughs> the story possibilities. Uh, so yeah, really incredible connection. And with that being there, I think it's time for us to dive into our books, yeah. right? We're going to look at 52, week 33, the DC Infinite Holiday Special 2006, Detective Comics number 860, and Detective Comics number 975, though I've actually got a fifth issue that I want to show us, but I'm holding on to it as a little bit of a surprise for you, Henry. Okay. All right, so let's dive into that first one. As we said, 52, week 33. So reminder, Kate Kane debuts in 52, week 7. And now we're in week 33, and this issue is entitled The Most Wonderful Time of the Year. It's written by Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, Mark Wade, and Greg Rucka. Penciled by Joe Prado and Tom Dernick, with breakdowns by Keith Giffen. Inked by Jay Leaston and Rodney Ramos. Colored by David Barron. Lettered by Pat Brosseau. Edited by Stephen Wacker and Michael Siglane, with a cover by J.G. Jones and Alex Sinclair. And I'd love to start talking about that cover. So, Henry, um, I don't know when the last time you've looked at it is, but if you look at that cover, we basically have um, what looks to be a Rockefeller Center-like skating rink, right? Like, New Gotham is clearly based on New York City. So this is the Gotham City version of Rockefeller Center, giant skating rink, clear Christmas theme, a tree and things. And you see Batwoman holding a small gift on a roof while Nightwing sort of falls away diving off the roof. So if you just looked at this cover, knowing nothing else about it, your assumption would be, here's Batwoman celebrating Christmas because she's a Christian just like every other generic superhero, Christian or lapsed Catholic or whatever it might be, right? But like, you you get no indication that she might be anything other than someone who celebrates Christmas. Yeah, Nightwing is sort of falling back and the, the tree is right behind him and it's sort of like the Rockefeller Center right. tree. It, it's just funny to me because it's like, you just, when you think of Gotham City, you do not think of people happily skating in a well-lit, you know, like it's just, everything is doing right. the gloom in Gotham. Except it, for one time a year when they want right. to do a holiday special. I, guess, right. I mean, this isn't a holiday special, but like all of a sudden we want to be able to see this. I mean, in Batman Returns, when they're trying to celebrate Christmas, the Penguins gang comes out and shoots everyone. So, you know, it's just... Right. Well, how much of that was Tim Burton? How much of that was DC? Who <laughs> right. knows? Um, anyway, so in this issue, we're going to skip over the part where Nightwing and Batwoman interact with each other, because that's not really what we're looking at. What we're looking at starts on page 10, when suddenly, top of the page, there's a Hanukkah with wax melted down. Now, unfortunately, this actually isn't a Hanukkah, it's really a menorah, because it only has seven branches. I think we talked about this last episode, but just as a reminder to everyone, um, the menorah, which was a symbol that would found in the ancient temple in Jerusalem was a seven-branched candelabra that has been modified for celebrating a Hanukkah into something we usually call the Hanukkah, and that has nine branches so that it has the eight branches that are meant for each night of Hanukkah, and of course one in the middle that's the shamash or helper candle you use to light all the other candles. So they got that wrong, which is a bit of a shame, but fine. We have this Hanukkah, and we have Renee Montoya, who's a detective from the Gotham City Police Department. Um, I think she actually started out as a character in the animated series mm -hmm. that made her way over into comics. So Renee Montoya staring out this large penthouse window, and she's there with the question, um, 
Vic Sage, who was born Charles Victor Saz. And I think this is this must be the beginning of that multiverse thing because the question is a character who, as far as I know, is from like originally Charles Charlton Comics. Charlton Comics, right? Yeah. So he's back in the main DC universe. I don't yeah, know. He when pops he up a lot in, in Batman comics because he's oh, a detective. Really? Oh, okay, great. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a DC guy, yeah. He's not doing well. He's clearly like all sorts of different spaces. And so that's the sort of the background of what's happening. But what we want to look at are some of these narration boxes. Because right there at the top where you've got the Hanukkah, this is Renee Montoya narrating. Hanukkah ended last night. Kate made a big deal out of it. Cooked latkes and even laid out jelly donuts for dessert. Kate said she did it because that's how her family celebrated Hanukkah, at least before her father remarried. That's probably true. But that's not why she did it. Hanukkah is the celebration of a miracle. Aww. Right? So lovely. Incredible. Oh, so sweet. So sweet. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so here we are in this issue that comes out, by the way, in 2006. It's clearly the holiday issue. Um, and we get this incredibly beautiful um, articulation of what Hanukkah is about. And clearly, Kate celebrates it and cares about it very deeply, right? That she's like, she's going all out to share Hanukkah with Renee Montoya, who I believe they're dating at this time. Um, I don't know if they're like dating again or this is the first time they're dating. I think they're back on because earlier in 52, they reconnect and it, okay. it's established that they're, um, they haven't seen each other in a while and had a bad breakup. Okay, and like great. The, in that issue seven and stuff. Sure. They, they, eight, they, they, so they had history and now they're back together yeah, and they're yeah. having this really lovely moment um, although Kate Kane's not around, but so we get this idea that she's celebrating. Also, guess what, Henry? I like decided to do a little snooping and seeing what I could find out. I found something that's very interesting. So reminder, this comes out in 2006 and December 2006. So um, I want to talk really quick about the Hebrew calendar, right? So the Hebrew calendar is more or less a lunar calendar that is essentially counterbalanced by the solar calendar, meaning. In the Gregorian calendar, we have a solar calendar that's sort of determined by the Earth rotating around or revolving around the sun. In Islam, you have a lunar calendar, which means that you tell time based upon the moon uh, revolving around the Earth. Now, Judaism also has a lunar calendar, but we sort of counterbalance it, and that's why, unlike Ramadan that always is constantly moving throughout the year, Jewish holidays are always around the same time of year because we have this mechanism of adding in an extra leap month to be able to sort of counterbalance everything. So. When calculating dates, every now and then, in addition to that leap month, um, sometimes Rosh Hashanah needs to be postponed by a day. And the way they do this is by adding a 30th day to the month of Kislev, also known as the, as the month when Hanukkah begins. Hanukkah begins on the 25th of Kislev. I promise all this is leading somewhere. So 25th of Kislev starts Hanukkah. Sometimes Kislev is 29 days. Sometimes Kislev is 30 days, meaning Hanukkah lasting eight days sometimes extends to the second of Tevet and sometimes extends to the third of Tevet. Mm. In 2006, and I found this out on HeapCal, Kislev had 30 days, which means that the eighth and final day of Hanukkah would be the second of Tevet, right? Okay. Now, this comic takes place on Christmas Eve. Guess what day December 24th, 2006 corresponds to in the Hebrew calendar? The third of Tevet, meaning they actually did the calculating and it was fully accurate. That year, 2006, Christmas Eve was the night after Hanukkah ended. So this is fully accurate when it says, oh my God. last night Hanukkah ended. They actually got it correct for that year that it came out. 
you folks at home can't see my brain exploding right now. With, and the yeah. things that are coming out of it are like Jewish nerd things. That's right. Amazing. Totally nerdy, but like the point of this being that I am so used to Jewish representation where it is tokenized, right? We all very often see like a nod to Hanukkah. We see someone talking about a jelly donut or talking about a Hanukkah. The amount of research and knowledge that went into this, that it was somebody writing who knew, I mean, maybe it was as simple as looking at the calendar this year and finding out like, oh, it turns out that Hanukkah um, ends on this night and we're making sure, you know, because they're very careful and because it's every week is a new issue and every week of, we didn't mention this, but every issue of 52 is meant to represent a week of time also. So each issue, not only is there a new issue coming out each week, but each issue covers a week of time in the comic book. Um, but they were clearly paying attention to the calendar so much so that they got accurate when Hanukkah felt that year. And like, for me, that just feels it's it's I don't know how to describe it. It just well, feels so it's good. another one of those examples like we talked about last time about fe- being seen. Right. You know? Well, it's a reminder that attention to detail sometimes is part of being seen. If somebody felt it was important enough to pay attention to, right? Like, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but every now and then there'll be a movie that has something written in Hebrew, and then when you see it, the Hebrew is backwards. And I'm always so frustrated by that because I'm like, why couldn't you have just checked? Like, why? Like, I remember seeing this horror movie called, I think, The Possession. Modest Yahoo was in it, and Modest Yahoo actually played an exorcist. It was so awesome because like, a dick was like possessing this young girl. Whoa. Anyway, there's this like Hebrew box. There's this box that has Hebrew written on it, and the Hebrew is written backwards. And it's just like, wh- why would they mess that like, up? Like, why couldn't Modest Yahoo say to the hey, Hey, by the way, you have the word. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Anyway, so the fact that they got this right is just attention to detail that I love. I wonder in what order that happened. Like, they were looking through the calendar, and Rucka was like, let me look at the Jewish calendar or something. Yeah, Yeah. who knows? But, I mean, I imagine Rucka probably wanted to look at it because he was the one who said, she needs to be Mm -hmm. Jewish. I'm making her Jewish. So, at the end of this, we get all this bit with the question that doesn't really matter. Renee helps the delirious Vic into bed. Kate gets home, she's holding Renee on the couch, and they have this lovely moment staring at the melted-down menorah, or Hanukkah, um, and staring out the window as snow begins to fall. And it's just like a really lovely interfaith couple moment. And I want to say, um, because at the beginning of that scene, Renee is thinking about how important Hanukkah is, it does not bother me that Kate says to, as they're looking at the Hanukkah or menorah, that Kate says to Renee, uh, Merry Christmas, Renee. In fact, right. that, I like that. You know, that's like... It's very clearly a couple that's respecting each other's religious practices. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, so that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's lovely. So, you know, this is... Um, is this explicit Jewish content? I think so. Yeah. And I think... Look, if it was just about the Hanukkah being drawn there, probably not. Right. But the fact we got that narration that talks about the fact that Kate was excited to play, to excited to have Hanukkah, that she made jelly donuts, right? It doesn't say Sufganiyo, but like she made the jelly donuts. She made latkes. um, And they reference the fact um, that that's the way you used to celebrate it before her father remarried, which by the way, goes back to, we were saying Jacob Cain is not Jewish. And it seems that his second wife after Kate's mother died was also not Jewish. And so it seems like Jacob at least stopped practicing Judaism, but clearly Kate didn't. And like that also, the fact that we have someone who was raised in a household with multiple religious influences, it seems, um, and she held on to her Judaism and felt it important enough to share with a romantic interest, like that to me is explicit Jewish content because it's Judaism mattering. Like I have friends who, I have friends who grew up Jewish, 
wind up not being really engaged in their Judaism and don't really do much. And then when they wind up in a serious relationship, they want to share parts of who they are, and that includes holiday celebrations. For a lot of people, I don't think the holidays are religious, right? They're um, cultural, they're family time, and so they want to share family traditions. So to see a Jewish superhero sharing family traditions with another cool comic character, totally explicit Jewish content. Fantastic. That was great. That was a nice introdu- introduction to her and her, Ju- and her Judaism. Really strong introduction, right? Yeah. Like, And such a different taste than The Thing, who had all this ambivalence and difficulty with it. Like, here we just got, she loves it. So, you're going to take over, I think, but that same, I just realized this now, that same month, December 2006, we get the DC Infinite Holiday Special. So the DC Holiday Special that came out in December 2006, the name of this particular um, story is called Lights, written by Greg Rucka. Artist, Christian Alamy. Colorist, Jason Wright. Letterer, Jared K. Fletcher. Associate Editor, Michael Siglane. And future... Uh, Batman and Robin and Superman and Detective Comics writer Peter Tomasi was the editor, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, really neat to see where he got to start. Yeah, this is a this is another Fonica story. Duh, it's the holiday special. Starts out with the words "I don't believe in miracles, Katya," and we see a flashback to Poland, December nineteen thirty nine, where the Gestapo is attacking a Jewish home while the candles are burning bright in the window. Right. There's this really nice sort of contrast that we have, that opening narration of I don't believe in miracles, Katya, while we see a Hanukkah in the window. And in that tiny panel, like in the world of just that panel, what you really see is sort of a little bit of Pirsumenes, right? Like advertising the miracle of Hanukkah. The image, if you know Judaism, you know that the image being drawn is very explicitly... We put the Hanukkah in the window to advertise to the world that there was a miracle. So to have text above that image that says, I don't believe in miracles, it's very intentionally playing with this Jewish point-counterpoint that I don't know if non-Jewish readers are able to pick up on, but it's, a, it's actually a very striking visual start to this story. Absolutely, and so you have the, in the top panel, the candles are burning bright in the windowsill, the bottom handle, they've been knocked over by the Gestapo and are setting the curtains ablaze. Um, and by the way, just fun things, because I, I love looking this stuff up. So as you said, we're in Poland in December 1939. In 1939, Hanukkah fell between, fell between December 7th and December 14th. So we don't, it looks like it's, I can't tell actually how many candles are lit. So we are. It looks like it's eight or nine, uh, seven or eight. Seven or eight. So we are probably December 13th or December 14th. 1939. If any of you are history buffs out there, you can let us know if anything significant happened that day uh, in terms of Poland and uh, what happened to the Jews there. Yeah. So she's having that narration of, I don't believe in miracles, Katya, is coming from this elderly woman who is holding that same Hanukkah uh, from before, but now in the the future or in in our present. Um, And she's, she's saying, basically, I don't light it. I don't celebrate miracles because I don't believe in these things. And, and Katya is Kate, um, and she's saying, but I'm holding one right here, Manya. The name of this elderly woman is Manya. And how else could this have survived the Shoah? And the reason why I'm reading you all the words from this first panel is because she refers to the Holocaust as the Shoah. It's and, amazing. And if you're a regular run-of-the-mill 
reader, and as we know from all the statistics, there's plenty of the world, people in the world who don't even know the, about the Holocaust, but that referring it to as the Shoah, that is for the Jews. I mean, that, right. that, is, that is specific. You would have to go look that up. What is the Shoah if you don't know what that is? Manya's response to how else could it survive the Shoah was... Fa. Yeah, so good. <laughs> Which is Yiddish so, for fa. Yeah. <laughs> Great translation. Um, also, a funny thing, I decided to just like look into Manya. Apparently, it's a name that is considered to come from both Hebrew and Russian origins. In Russia, or in Russian, Manya is a diminutive form of Mary. And Mary ultimately seems to be a variation going all the way back to Miriam. So what we actually have is Miriam. And Miriam, of course, in the word might be a play on the idea of mar or bitter, or it might be a play on the word like Mary, rebellion. Mm -hmm. So the idea that like her name is, I don't know if this is a coincidence or what, but we have this like crotchety old woman named Manya whose name might originally mean bitter or rebellion or rebellious. And like totally seeing that in her right now. And this felt very real because many of us know survivors who very understandably have said goodbye to Jewish ritual practice um, some have really held on to it deeply and everything in between all are understood totally. all are totally, totally you know How, I mean like it's people responding to trauma yeah right? it, it, totally understandable she, she ends by saying forgive me I'm an old woman eager to visit um, my pain you know Kate very yeah. sweetly and kindly says it's alright I'll see you next time Mania so it seems like they have a relationship where Kate goes to visit her on a regular times, basis on a regular basis yeah. which is so sweet that she has totally. this older mentor, this survivor that she visits and takes care, either takes care of or just is a friend. You know, yeah. we cut to Gotham City. She's having she's she's hanging out with her dad. Dad says, "I don't know what to say," and she says, "Thank you." As traditional Colonel, but Happy Hanukkah works in a pinch. So, <laughs> so Jacob says, "Thank you, Happy Hanukkah," and. He asks, where the hell did you find it? They are not talking about the Kanukia. They're talking about the gift uh, that she gave him. Which was the first edition of The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler. Also, just as an aside, I want to point out, I utterly hate the spelling of Hanukkah they went with for this issue. <laughs> you don't like the H No, spelling? it's H-A-N-U-K-A-H. I'm all about that double K you when want, it comes to Hanukkah. You want either the double K or the double N or specifically the double K? Specifically <laughs> the double K. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so they just have a little conversation, and uh, he's he mentions something about her mother, and she makes clear that that's my stepmother. We cut to Batwoman, an amazing splash page of Batwoman breaking through a ceiling, just like Batman would do on a bunch of thugs who are wearing Santa outfits. Um, you know, she beats them all up very easily, and she sees in the corner a box with... What's weird is that same Hanukkah that Mania was holding. All right, so she says, I don't know about you boys, but I'm feeling pretty jolly right about. And then she sees the, there's a pause where she sees the Hanukkah and she says, now. And then the thug with a battering stuck in his forehead is trying to reach for the gun. Kate leads in on the guy, tell me where you stole this from or I'll break every one of your delicate bones in your hands. She's just as tough as Batman, if she's, not more. Oh, very she's, much I mean, she's so. scary here. She's totally scary. She strikes fear into them. And I love the fact that she's, like, threatening him while holding up the Hanukkah. 
Like, she's clearly holding on to it just because it's important, but it's this weird thing where, like, she's making this threat and, like, the Hanukkah is just sort of visible. And, like, I actually don't know how I feel about the Hanukkah being in, in, used as this, like, image of violence. Like, is she, like, saying, I'm going to beat you to death with this thing? She might be saying that, right? <laughs> but, I mean, Turn also, that some bitch sideways and shove it shove straight it up. Shove straight up that Santa's candy butt. <laughs> Turn them some sideways and stick them straight up your candy With a voiceover of her talking to Mania, she's... She's uh, staking, staking out, and she says, "I saw your menorah yesterday, Manya," and uh, and and she says, uh, "Manya says, why do you make fun of an old woman, Katya? You saw no such thing." She says, "I did the same menorah, Manya. I'm certain of it." Feh, that's what, like her catchphrase. I told you, my father, he made it with his own hands for us, for his children. Only the one. There are no more. A replica of it, then. I know what I saw. No, your eyes trick you, Katya. Only a member of my family could begin to describe my father's Hanukkah. And I have no family left. Yeah, which tragic. Tragic. Yeah. Um, yeah. sad when you hear that from survivors. You know, they're the last of their family. Totally. All right, we go to the next page. So the next, the next page, the voiceover continues. What are you doing, Katya? I'm, I'm putting the candles in. What does it look like? This is all a voiceover while uh, Kate comes over as dressed in a FedEx uniform. Really By the way, it. it's not a FedEx uniform. It's a FedLex uniform because, of course, LexCorp, Lex oh, Luthers, right. owns... It's amazing. You know, I'm putting the candles in. What does it look like? I told you it does not see wax. Yes, you said, so I'll light it. Katya! Your father made this. And now you don't listen? I told you already. Yes. Kate responds by He's, saying... Kate responds by He made it to be used, Manya. He made it to celebrate the festival lights. He made it for his children. He made it to celebrate a miracle. Oh. And before we get to the next page, she lives above Ketterman's Rare Books. For some reason, that reminded me of like West Side Judaica, a bookstore or something. Yeah, you know, like a Jewish yeah. bookstore. It's not. It's, it's not. Rare it's, books. It's making me like, think of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she comes out and she looks back. Kate. Mm-hmm. Pronouns, pal. She, Kate looks back and she sees Manya and what looks like that uh, her relative, the mother and the grandson, embracing, one of them is crying, oh, with the candles in front of them, burning. Maybe the beginning when Manya's placed in the Hanukkah in the window, maybe that was an error and the whole story is supposed to be that it has been missing for years. It's, it's a shame that it's a little confusing and you can't quite follow the narration and what's going on. I don't know yeah. what exactly is happening. But in terms of the Jewish content, right, this is very explicitly a Jewish story. This is a story about Holocaust survivors. It's a story about the Shoah. You know, this is not exactly uncommon. There were lots of Shoah survivors whose family's gold and Judaica was stolen by neighbors after families were taken away and sent to work camps or death camps. And you hear stories of people reclaiming famous art, gold, etc. All these things that were taken from their families. So this is very much touching on a very particular Jewish story and showing Kate's role as this sort of bringing justice and redemption and obviously that real emphasis of the fact that it still exists, right, is miraculous. And I, I love that dialogue towards the end, right? The idea that again, going back to my point, Manya wanted Judaism to be something to be preserved and looked at in a window, but not actually lived. And and Kate Kane says, "Your father made this to be used. You need to use it." And like, 
it's incredible and touching and beautiful. And that's a nice way of, in which the younger generation um, can reach the older generation and look at something in a new way. Yeah. And, you know, in, in our, in, for our purposes, that's you know, something only Kate King can do here. It's great. Join us next time as we explore the most mysterious Jewish superhero, Batwoman. We'll be looking at Detective Comics number 860 and number 975, and a special surprise at the end. See you next time on Funny, They Don't Look Jewish. You can follow us on Twitter at Jewish Comics Pod, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Jewish Comics Pod, or you can email us at Jewish Comics Podcast at gmail.com.